Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can know about your Son, Jesus Christ, because we have your word. We have it contained in the pages of your Bible, which is right before us. Lord, we thank you for the, the many testimonies that we have there about Jesus' life and the significance of his death for us. Lord, we pray as we look at what Paul says about Jesus' death this morning, we pray that you may give us understanding to comprehend what you would have us know about Jesus' death and how it impacts upon our lives. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may be working amongst us all this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have the great privilege these days of teaching scripture in the local schools here. And this Easter, we asked the students, uh, this is in the primary school here, what is Easter all about? And being children, of course, I'm sure you can guess uh, what some of the answers were. Easter is all about chocolate. Easter is all about bunnies. And there was even a girl that, uh, that Friday wearing bunny ears in class. Um, I'm sure teachers don't generally permit that, but I guess it was an exception because Easter, of course, is all about bunny rabbits. So this girl can wear bunnies in class, and bunny ears. Also, people mention eggs, of course. They mention chickens because, of course, when you start talking about eggs, you've got to start talking about chickens. And even one child, this is because we're in Australia, mentioned bilbies. Um, bilbies are really making their stamp upon Easter, apparently, in Australia at least. I don't think um, anybody else around the world probably even knows what a bilby is. But uh, here in Australia, some children know about Easter bilbies. What would you say if you were asked? What would you say Easter is all about? Well, Easter is all about Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. On Good Friday, we remember his death, and then on Easter Sunday, we remember Jesus' resurrection. And as today is Good Friday, well then, what better thing to look at as you gathered here this morning to look at the death of Jesus Christ and how that impacts upon you. Because it's quite extraordinary that we'd remember the death of one person every year with a particular day set aside to remember that person's death. I mean, when you think about it, people die on a regular basis. People have been doing that for centuries, millennia. And we don't remember everybody's death with a set day set aside for them because, of course, we'd run out of days soon and people have to start doubling up, tripling up, quadrupling up and keep going on. Every year, many, many people die in Australia. Why don't we stop all of Australia and have a public holiday for everybody's death? Why Jesus' death? Why have a special day set aside for Jesus? And the reason we remember Jesus' death is because the significance that it has to, for us and particularly when it relates to the subject of justification. Now, it may be a word that you're not familiar with, and, but that's what we're going to be looking at this morning because that is what Jesus' death is all about, is about justification. And we see that in verse 15 and 16, this word justification coming up of Galatians chapter 2. We're going to be working through Galatians chapter 2, the passage that Leslie just read for us. Uh, so I encourage you to have a church uh, Bible open there or your own Bible and if you're following along it's page 1152 of the Black Church Bibles and so we read in verse 15 we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law but by faith in Jesus Christ so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus 
that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. The word justified comes up again and again in that little passage, but what is justification all about? And how do we get justified? That's what I want to look at this morning. So firstly, I want us to understand what justification is. And so my first main point this morning is justification is being declared righteous. If you want to follow my main points this morning, they're on the back of the church bulletin. You can see them there. I've got three main points. And the first is that justification is being declared righteous. If you are justified, then you are in a right standing before someone. It means you're in the right. And so the word justification often comes up in courtroom contexts where you're justified in the eyes of the judge and in the state that you are in a right standing. You are a good citizen. You have that stamp of approval that you have been justified before the court that you are in the right. But we don't just use it in courtroom situations. We use it in our own relationships with other people. We're always seeking to be justified before others that we're in the right and possibly that they're in the wrong. We want to be seen to be right in other people's eyes. This came up recently for me. In, uh, I, uh, I was driving on Parramatta Road, and I pulled out. I was, uh, there's three lanes on Parramatta Road. And there was an inner lane, there's a middle lane, there's the outer lane. I pulled into the inner lane from a side street, and I, um, the, there was a person in the middle lane who got a little bit frightened of me pulling out, and this red pea plater, and she swerved into the outer lane because she thought I was coming out into her lane and hit an Audi. And then, of course, uh, she followed me, and, uh, and so the Audi, of course, followed her, and so we pulled over and we had to sort things out. And I sought to justify my actions in being allowed to pull out into that inner lane. She said she would never do what I did, and she accused me of going into her lane and that I'd actually caused the accident by pulling into her lane and made her swerve to hit the Audi. And it was a terrible situation because I felt really sorry for her, but I sought to justify myself, and I said I stayed in my lane. And thankfully, my wife was in the car, and she said, yes, Joel, you stayed in your lane. And my mum was in the back, and she's a little bit nervous about driving in general. And so um, if, if anything had been done that was wrong, uh, she would be one to pick it up. And she said, I was watching really carefully because I wouldn't do what you did, Joel, but you did stay in your lane. And so I at least was justified. I felt right standing before my wife and before my uh, mum, but I don't think I was ever going to be justified in the eyes of this uh, poor pea plater. But that's what I was seeking to do. I was seeking to justify myself before her and before the other people around, uh, and the Audi driver as well, although he wasn't particularly interested. He was already on the phone to his insurance company and examining his car. Uh, He just knew who hit him. He wasn't concerned about me. We seek to justify ourselves in lots of contexts to make sure that we're in the right before others, before the state and before other people. But how do you justify yourself before God? Do you want to justify yourself before God? Why should you justify yourself before God? Well, we should justify ourselves before God. We should make sure that we're in right standing with God, seek to justify ourselves before God, because God, after all, exists, and he is the highest court in the land. He is judge over all the world. And one day he will call us all to give an account for our actions in life, and he will hand out judgments according to the life that we have lived. And so 
we have to take it very seriously, the fact that we need to seek justification before God. We need to seek to be right before God. But how do you do that? How do you convince God that you have stayed in your lane on the path, on the highway of life? That you haven't deviated into somebody else's lane and caused an accident? That you haven't caused other problems in your life? That you have been a right and good person all your life before God the judge? How do you do that? How do you justify yourself before God? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Justification is not through observing the law. Justification is not through observing the law. And we read that in verses 15 and 16 of what Paul says here. He says, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. We can't be justified by observing the law, Paul says. Now, is that right? Is Paul wrong to say that, that we can't be justified by observing the law? Does God disregard the law? I mean, he's judged, but does he say, don't worry about the law? Well, usually, if you want to be justified in the eyes of someone, yes, you pull out the law and you show where you have followed the law. And God does say that he judges us according to the law. Uh, In Romans 2, Paul also says, God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, in other words, disobey the law, there will be wrath and anger. God weighs us up, and those who are good and have done what is right, he will give eternal life. Those who have done evil, have broken God's law, he will give wrath and anger. So God does use the law in weighing us up. And so it is reasonable to think that you could be justified before God by observing the law. And it is possible then that if that's the rule that he has there, that you could do that, except for one problem. No one has kept the law perfectly. Everyone is a lawbreaker. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. What does that mean? It means we've all broken God's law. It means that we can't be justified by observing the law because we've broken it again and again. We're all sinners. As soon as you disrespect your parents, disobey them, dishonour them, speak back to them, as soon as you lie, as soon as you look lustfully at someone who's not your spouse, as soon as you hate someone, you don't have to kill them, just hate them. As soon as you steal something, you're not able to justify yourself before God because you haven't observed the law. You can't pull out this... Um, this passage from Romans and say, well, I've been a good person and so I deserve eternal life. I've sought good and glory and honour and immortality through God. I've been obedient to the law. No, because you've broken the law. And so Paul is right. You can't be justified by observing the law because you can't observe it. But hang on, you might say, there's another way I can get by by observing the law. I can be right in the eyes of the law another way. If I admit that I've done something wrong and then pay the penalty for that 
wrong, then I can be right in the eyes of the law again. If I sin against the state in some way and they say you must pay a fine, I pay that fine and then it's over with. I'm back in right standing with the state. Or if I spend some time in prison, I come out, I'm free, I'm in right standing again. So if I can pay a penalty, which the law requires, then I can observe the law and be justified. And does that work then with God? Is there a penalty that must be paid for sin that I can pay and so get off and then be right in the eyes of God again? So by observing the law's commands about penalties, I can be justified. Well, that's all well and good if you have the ability to pay for what you've done. Sometimes you commit crimes that are so great that you can't get yourself out of them. You can't pay the penalty for it. Sometimes car accidents are so great that people ruin their lives. Apparently in 2011, Japan had what may be one of the world's most expensive car crashes. An outing of luxury sport car enthusiasts in Japan ended in a motorway pileup smashing eight Ferraris, a Lamborghini, three Mercedes-Benz, and estimated at worth of more than four million US dollars. Now, if I'd, had, if I'd caused a car accident, I might say, yes, I've, yes, I admit that what I've done is wrong, and so I pay the penalty, I pay the cost, and I move on. That's it, end of story. I've observed the law's requirements. But how do you get out of that? If you don't have insurance and you've caused something that's worth more than $4 million worth of car damage, how do you pay that penalty and move on in the eyes of the law? You can't. Even if you work hard for the rest of your life, you can't do it. I worked it out. If you make repayments for 30 years at 6% interest for $4 million US, that's $5,500 a week at the moment. Do you make $5,500 a week that you can set aside to pay off that whilst still providing for your physical needs. I can't do that. The church doesn't pay me <laughs> enough to do that. And so for the rest of my life, I would not be paying off that debt that I owe to get in the right standing with the eyes of the law again. I'd always have the law chasing after me for that debt that I owe because I've caused so much damage by breaking the law and causing an accident. So then the question is, what's the debt that you need to pay to be justified in the eyes of God for your sin? What is the debt? Eternal suffering in hell. That is the debt that you owe. That passage I read before from Romans 2 speaks about for those who follow evil, there'll be wrath and anger. And it goes on and on for eternity. Now that may sound a bit harsh to you. But you don't understand how harsh your sin is toward God. How serious your sin is. It's far more serious than causing a $4 million car accident. What are you doing when you sin? You are saying, God, I want you dead. I don't want you ruling over my life. I want you off your throne. I want to put myself on your throne. And if you could just get lost, die, that would be very nice. That's the way I'd like things to be. And when you sin, you are basically making an assassination attempt on God. You're trying to commit what we call theocide. You may have heard of homicide, killing humans, murder of humans, or fratricide, murder of brothers, uh, matricide, murder of mothers, What's um, uh, patricide, murder of fathers. Well, what about theocide? 
murder of God. That's what you're doing every time you're sin. you sin. And that's a serious thing to try and do. Imagine you try to assassinate the President of the United States of America. What's the penalty for doing that? Well, currently, it's life imprisonment or death. I think depending on what state you're in. So if you're going to try and do it, pick a state that does life imprisonment is the moral of that story. But basically, they're saying you can't pay off the debt for trying to assassinate the president. You have to spend the rest of your life in prison or die. You can't do anything to get out of it. You can't say, well, I'm a very rich person. What's, what's the, the deal here? How much do I have to pay so that I can walk free after trying to assassinate the president? You can't do it. It doesn't happen. The debt is so great that you can't pay it off and be right in the eyes of the law again. And it's the same with God. He takes assassination attempts on his life very seriously. It is a serious crime to try and say to God, get out of my life, I want to be on your throne. And so it makes sense that you can never pay off such a crime, that it does take an eternal suffering in hell for trying to remove God from your life by sinning against him. So clearly there's no way that you can be justified by observing the law. There's no way that you can do it as Paul says here. Paul is right when he says in verse 16, know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. You can't be justified because you keep the law and you can't be justified because you pay the penalty that the law requires that you pay for breaking the law. So then the question is, is there any way to be justified before God? Can you be made right with God? There is a way. And Paul tells us that in this passage. And so that brings me to my third main point this morning justification is through faith in Christ. Justification is through faith in Christ. And we see that in verses 15 and 16. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. There is a legal way to get out of an enormous debt. Imagine you cause that $4 million pile-up in Tokyo. Is there a legal way to get out of that? If you don't have insurance and you owe money big time to people, is there a way? If you have a rich friend who's happy to come and pay that $4 million then you can be right in the eyes of the law again. No one will be chasing you. The debt has been paid. And that's what God is. He's an enormously rich friend and generous friend. And he pays the debt that we owe for sinning against him. Basically, God looked down on you and saw the major car accident that you have made of your life. All of us have swerved into many other people's lanes and sinned against them again and again. We've caused all kinds of grief all over the place and we've swerved into God's lane and tried to kick him off his throne. And God sees that, sees the debt that we owe, and then he says, 
I will pay that debt for you. I will make up what you owe in the eyes of the law for you. And how did he do that? Well, God the Father sent his son to pay the price you owe. When was the payday? When did he hand over the cheque? Well, it was at the cross 2,000 years ago. The punishment that Jesus felt at the cross was the punishment that you deserve for your sins. He experienced eternal suffering there for a couple of hours on the cross for your sake. And so he paid the debt that you owe for your sins so that you can be justified, you can be right before God again. That's what Hebrews 9 tells us, verse 15. He says, uh, the author of Hebrews says, He has died, that's Jesus, as a ransom to set them, that's Christians, free from the sins committed. And so it means that we have been crucified with Christ and our debt is paid. That's what Paul says a few verses down from uh, in chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me and so Jesus work at the cross has now paid for Paul's debt and the debt of many many people throughout the world so no wonder we celebrate Jesus death every year it's a celebration of the greatest payday in history the greatest payout compensation for sins committed all throughout history. No wonder we celebrate it. We see there at the cross the great love and generosity of God and his son in being willing to look at us and see our sinful state, our helplessness, and then say, I can help and I'm willing to pay the debt that you owe. Now, how do you get Jesus to pay for your sin at the cross? You might be convinced here this morning. You might think, yes, I want Jesus to pay pay out for the damage that I have done. How does that happen? Does Jesus pay for everybody? Was that day at the cross Jesus making atonement for every single person on the planet? Was he paying out for everybody? No. Jesus only pays for the sins of people who come to him in faith. What does it say there in Galatians chapter 2 about how we're justified? It says in verse 15, We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law no one will be justified. You need to trust In Jesus Christ's death for you. That's what he's talking about when he says, have faith in Christ Jesus. You need to trust that Jesus died for you. And if you do that, then Jesus has died for you. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ died for you at the cross, that he paid the debt that you owe for your sin, then you are justified. You are justified in the eyes of God. You are in right standing with God again because the debt has been paid through Christ. So the question is, have you been justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law? 
Do you firstly realise that you need to be justified before God, that God is judge over you? Do you recognise that there is a God? You should, and that one day he will judge the world. And if you do that, do you realise that you cannot be justified by observing the law because you have made a major wreck of your life and the lives of others with your sin, and you owe God a lot, so much that it's an eternal suffering for your sin. Do you recognise that you can't be justified by observing the law? Or are you trying to justify yourself by observing the law, saying you're a fairly good person, while all along, basically, you're a hit-and-run driver? You're hitting people all the time and not even acknowledging that you're hitting other people. You're saying, no problem there, no debt to pay, I just bang into whoever I like and it's okay. I don't have to justify myself in the eyes of anyone. Are you trying to justify yourself in the eyes of the law? You can't. You need to realise that only Jesus Christ can pay the debt for you and do you realise that? Have you accepted Christ's payment at the cross through faith? Do you trust that Jesus died for you so that today really is a good, good Friday for you because you know this good Friday that you owe nothing. Christ has paid it all. He's paid for your sins in the past. He's paid for your sins that you'll commit today, present. And he's paid for your sins in the future. You're justified through Jesus' death for you. If you haven't done that, I beg of you, pray and accept Jesus' work of the cross for you today. Lean upon God, trusting that Jesus died for you and not trusting in your own observance of the law because it is a foolish way to go. You can't keep the law. Stop lying to yourself. And you can't make up for what you've done by paying for the penalty. Your sin against God is too serious to try and think that you can make up for it by some good works. It's terribly serious what you've done toward God. Stop trying to justify yourself by observing the law and be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's come before our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we admit here this morning that your word is so true that no one can be justified by observing the law because we are all sinners and we cannot pay the debt we owe. Lord, we pray that we may all be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your great love in sending him so that we can be justified. You did not need to do that, but out of your love and your mercy and your grace towards us, you sent your son and he died the death we deserve to die. And so, Lord, we pray that we all trust in Jesus' death for us and stop being so foolish to consider that we can be right before you by observing the law. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.